So, Johnny and Laura, thank you so much for joining me today. Pleasure. Hello. Hello. Lovely to see you. Jonathan Broadbent, Laura Moody. Johnny, we've known each other a very, very, very long time. Um, I'd say probably about 24 years, Five. 25 years. Uh, and I obviously know Laura because of you. Can you both tell us who you are, what you do, how you've got there? Okie dokie. Me? Mm -hmm. Me first? Um, uh, uh, I'm Laura Moody. I'm a musician and um, I work as a cellist, as a singer and as a songwriter and composer and theatre performer. Yes, my career is a sort of Venn diagram of all of those things. So I do solo work as a singer-songwriter where I play the cello and sing. Um, and then I also uh, um, uh, write music for theatre and I also perform in theatre. And um, what else do I do? I do, you know, a, a sort of, uh, a portfolio of things, shall we say, and then I also um, do session work as a cellist and you do a cabaret a gig. I work in cabaret. I work, yeah, over quite a lot of different. Um, I kind of do what I do within quite a lot of different umbrellas. You arrange string. Work I do. For... I arrange strings, strings for film, for film music. Um, yeah, so quite a yeah. And arrange. in fact. Um, we've sort of worked together, Laura, haven't we? When I did a project a long time ago, when your um, quartet, was it a, qu a quartet? Oh, yes, yes, yes. I was in a string quartet for 15 years and we did a um, live film soundtrack for a silent film at the art centre that yeah. Japan. Yes, yes. Which was one of the highlights of my career, I have to say. Ah, that's great. <laughs> she has to say that. She has to, yes. <laughs> John T? So, uh, obviously, Gemma and I, you go back to Guildhall days, which is where we both trained um, at a, a, a classical conservatoire acting training. Um, and I've been a professional actor ever since. And I've mostly made my living doing that. Um, so what does that mean? And, and that has changed slightly over, over time. Um, I've worked at the National Theatre, the Royal Shakespeare Company, uh, numerous times, uh, number one tours, um, small parts, days on films and small television things, uh, radio, voiceovers, um, both um, educational side of voiceover work, so English language tapes, but also um, commercial adverts on the radio and TV campaigns. Uh, this all sounds like that happens all the time. It's not. It, these things can be quite sporadic. Um, but mostly it's been theatre. You've been in the West End. Oh, I've been in the West End and, <laughs> you know, all sorts of, all sorts of, um, again, uh, an acting career is portfolio based and it's not all one particular strand. Um, I suppose my particular strand that I've had most of has been in the theatre and mostly in the subsidised theatre, um, uh, which has given me uh, a career and a lot of opportunity and where I have practised and honed my craft. Um, yes. And so really then, 
um, from listening to both of you, I think it would be fair to say that um, relatively both of you have been very successful in your careers. We've made it work. And I think that that's that's a degree of success. That's a degree of success. Like, you know, yeah. we've 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 managed to we've uh, made a living make, doing make a what living we do, doing doing what we train to do, and yeah. um, and, and and buy a, a small house. And you know, we moved. We had to move out of London where we were living at the time, and that felt um, that was a wrench. It was a wrench. Um, so quite simply, how has COVID affected you? It's a difficult thing for me to talk about, actually, because I have been incredibly lucky and I'm one of the few. Um, this company that I'm working for at the moment, the RSC, have effectively furloughed their entire, not their entire, but their acting company that were going to do the summer season in what, their biggest theatre. So they have um, kept on their actors and every other theatre in the company has had to let go all of their casts because they are all running on very tight reserves and in order for them to survive they've had to um, cull their workforce basically and uh, so I'm in an incredibly pr privileged position although in the same breath um, it, it is a great great pity that not all of these companies were able to do that as a standard thing because anybody who worked in the offices uh, or in, on, in the PAYE section, not the self-employed um, departments, not the freelance departments, have been furloughed. So they, all of these companies were able to access the furlough scheme and it's meant that um, there's been a massive, massive rift in who has been entitled to help and that's been that is well it becomes a political thing ultimately um, but it shows you how precariously the freelance um, the freelancers that um, contribute to the biggest part of any theatre or arts organisation which is the the putting on of the work which brings in the revenue um, these are all the departments that have been let go and that is um, uh, it's incredibly unfair and it's a, it's a real crack in the system that, that COVID has exposed. Um, my situation, basically everything stopped. Um, I was working at the beginning of the year um, and then um, I was I was planning on taking I'd been working quite solidly for a while and I was planning to have, maybe have a little bit of breathing space but my the way that my work stuff always comes in you know and um, I was uh, I had some recording plans uh, recording of my own music plans and um, there was a, there was sort of I was kind of putting things in place um, and then, and then when COVID hit, all of that got shut down. So basically, I had uh, just a completely empty diary um, for the rest of my life. <laughs> um, well, um, actually, both of you, although, so Laura, you haven't been able to work at all. Johnny, you haven't been able to work at all, but you've been 
getting paid effectively. We've been supported, yeah. I mean, exactly. you, Johnny's still done the, some stuff. The, the RSC managed to do some outdoor stuff in the summer, which I was um, massively part of, and uh, it was felt very important to be uh, sort of leading on that uh, as a project, which was just outdoor Shakespeare in Stratford, you know, letting the town know that things were going on. It was profile for the company to let people know that we would come back, that everybody's working, even though the building's shut, everybody's really working hard to try and work out how it could be opened again, under what mm -hmm. protocols, what safety measures would need to be put in place. And, and of course, uh, what I've noticed, uh, a lot of the um, smaller venues and a lot of the commercial venues, they have, they have been able to respond in a much different, um, in a different way to a subsidised sector uh, venue because um, their survival is uh, financed differently, basically. So a lot of commercial producers are saying, well, we're losing money anyway by, by being closed. So let's just open something because at least at least there'll be some energy about that. Right. And, and so some of the commercial producers are not, we're not talking about big names here. We're just talking about, you know, various people are going, well, I'm, I'm going to do something. So a West End producer opened his production of Educating Rita at the Minac Theatre in Cornwall, which is open air, just because it was like, well, look, I'm losing all this money. We might as well put it on somewhere, do something that's yeah. possible. So people are really trying hard mm. to generate that energy, even if it's they're, they're, they're not ultimately, they're going to be losing money or not making any money. I think the, the, the circumstances are, are such now that it's like, we've got to just shift the, the story somehow and do something because the, the inertia and the dispiriting mm. nature of everybody just standing still worrying and working out you know anyone in management in the arts at the moment must be working out every day they must be reworking different protocols of of how they could be crunching the numbers and what the numbers mean and and then it's like well we just need to get something on because people particularly whilst the weather was good in the summer there was that feeling i think we all had it of we can get outside at least we can go and look at things whether that's nature or actors socially distanced um, in a garden, just saying some words out loud. And there was a real hunger for that in Stratford as well. It was incredibly popular, people coming to see People the, came to see it again the and each weekend over the summer. And it was very moving actually, um, you know. And I think music has, um, I think a lot of people are missing stuff. Mm. You know, Netflix is only gonna be good enough for so long. Mm. Um, the live experience for people is. Um, I think it's been very. It's certainly it's been key. very tough for for musicians because um, uh, not not being able to play music with other people has been really painful. It's been really difficult. Nora, some um, I spoke to Richard Dempsey this morning, and he said that he felt that the that musicians generally have had a, a one of the hardest deals. Have you had any support from the government? Um, I have because um, I I fell in the the you know I, I qualified for the um, self-employed income support and there you know there's a multitude of ways in which people um, of all ages um, have fallen through the gaps uh, depending on 
how long they've been self-employed, what proportion of their income has been self-employed. But I was very lucky in that I, um, I, 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 you know, was uh, I, I qualified. Um, I happened to qualify. But, but a, a lot yeah. of lighting designers, choreographers, directors, they've all slipped between the cracks because of the nature of the freelance, the way your freelance career is funded. We we have a friend who's. Um, the head of a department at a major theatre, and she um, uh, she was on a freelance contract. She 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 holds that position, but on a freelance contract, um, and she had been there for uh, less a, than a year or a year, no, a year, a year. Yeah. and previously to that, she had been not self-employed. She'd been employed by one of the big conservatoires, um, and because of that, she. Um, didn't get furlough from the employer and she didn't qualify for self-employed income support. And this is somebody who's at top her, of her game, top height of her career, top of her game in a, in a position revered by her sector. Yeah. No, it's, it's been very, and very she, worrying. Yeah. Mm. Um, so we are beyond grateful to the government for the, the small amount of money that Ado's got he's been able to get that self-employment money and also the Arts Council money of course but I think just going back on what you were talking about the venues and how they're having to continuously adapt to different policies and procedures I my friend Laura who works at the Anstice where the job I just left she's now managing through that through this ever-changing um, you know environment and it's it's so time-consuming a lot of venues can't afford to adapt well it's it's such a precarious industry at the best of times and you know all of the venues were going well it's fine and we'll be back up and running by Christmas so our panto will be able to get us back onto an even keel and then of course you know we were hitting August and it was looking unlikely that even you know nobody's able to nobody's been able to plan and and what what these sorts of crises it seems to me do is expose the frailty of of the systems yeah. and it's not just in, been in the arts you know the restaurant industry and the hotel industry has suffered exactly the same thing Absolutely. and actually one, one i went into a cafe in in the summer in stratford and and the owner of the cafe was like oh my god when's the theater going to open because we are nothing without the theater and you know i haven't heard anybody say that for a really long time you know you go you walk along the south bank at shakespeare's globe all of those restaurants and pubs and bars around there survive because of the Tate Modern and Shakespeare's Globe. Yeah. There's nothing else around there. No. So, so what's it like? So what is it like down there now? Well, I haven't been, but, um, you know, apparently the West End is dead. Mm. I mean, you know, you're seeing the odd shots of people going crazy in Soho, but, but um, all the industries are kind of going, well, what are we here for? How have you... How have you kept motivated? Um, Johnny was actually doing a huge amount of um, what I'd call voluntary work because Johnny's on the stage committee for equity, um, the union, and Johnny is also his union rep um, for his company at the Royal Shakespeare Company. Yeah. So, so Johnny was doing a huge amount of stuff as a kind of liaison between the union and the company and individual actors wanting to 
because everybody just nobody really knew what was going on so Johnny was on the phone or or on 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 zoom um a lot a lot a lot and you've sort of forgotten about that but he he actually kind of was um doing a lot of work for the industry uh uh just on a voluntary basis around that time and and we grew some vegetables (laughs) 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 I cooked a lot of food I think I think in in the initial stages, it was so sort of destabilizing. It was like, what can I do? I will plan meals. I think we were also very, we were, we felt extraordinarily fortunate um, being out here um, really, I mean, my God, it came into its own because we have a garden here and we can walk five, 10 minutes up the road and we're in countryside. And it was an extraordinarily beautiful spring, and so those were huge consolations. Um, and uh, and so we had an, a very very different experience to our friends who live, um, you know, live in flats in in London. But um, I mean, we joked with other actors, but it was like you know, well, we're quite used to being out of work. But this is something else. And, and I think the, the fear of it and the terror of it is that there's no timescale about when things might resume. Mm. And, and actually, um, and, I, I, and I do think things will resume. At what scale they'll resume, whether theatres will be scared to employ large casts again and things like that. Will, will be issues that everyone has to face but yeah I mean that's something that I've noticed that a few theatres are starting to open and do live performances but when you look at what those live performances are they're so one-man shows or they're you know mm-hmm. uh, and yes you can afford to put on a one-man show because it only has to pay one person you know that's I think that's Yes, so that worries me hugely. And in fact, what my next question was going to be, what do you think is going to happen to our industry? Um, I, th- I think one of the things that I've observed that is happening at the moment, and, and this actually does paint to the answer of the question that you've asked, is that it's been an opportunity for everybody to go, we shouldn't be doing it like we've been doing it. This has exposed the cracks of how we do it. What we've all been able to do is go, okay, whilst we've been doing nothing, is analyse what hasn't worked and what doesn't work. And what doesn't work is going to be part of the solution of, of when we can start again and how we can start again, that, I think. That actually sounds quite positive. I'm feeling quite buoyant by what you're saying there. I hope that when we go, come back, it won't be back to normal. Um, so where do you see yourselves a year from now? you know Um, what i mean i i felt like i've had i've had to kind of um uh just not look that far um at the moment because um because it's sort of impossible to say and i i found it it's easier to either have a very a very very short-term view or an incredibly long-term view we just don't know about about next year um that, you know, the situation here is not the same throughout Europe. Elsewhere in Europe, work is being made. I think it, it varies hugely from country to country, um, but not every country has seen the sort of wholesale um, mothballing or shutdown of the industry that we've seen in this country. Um, and so those, 
but then we're also talking about countries that, that generally have much, much higher public subsidy for arts. Yes, than like France, for example. France, Germany, um, um, in terms of dealing with the future, um, uh, I think that I, I really struggled for quite a long time. I'm doing much better now, partly because I've got, uh, I've got a couple of music commissions, which are uh, one which is definitely going to be performed in March because if it can't be performed live, it will be filmed. And the other one, which is, uh, was originally going to be much earlier in the year, but it's now been, it was going to be October and it's been put back to March. That, that connection with working with other people, making work for other people, for audiences, and that that sort of connectivity is um, is what is why why I do the job. I think. I think there is going to be after the after the Second World War. People went to see comedies. Noel Coward's plays went like that. They they he had huge success. Huge success. And it was part of how the nation dealt with the grief of the, uh, the post-war trauma of that. There is going to be a massive headache, and I don't just mean, um, I mean a migraine from all of this. And no, I think artists know that the art is going to be the thing that saves everybody. I don't mean save, but I mean it's going to help people um, we, work it out. We're gonna, there's gonna need to be a sort of processing of a national trauma really and everything that that this is meant because in the same way that the the pandemic has brought out things in things in our industries it's done that in in every sort of strata of society from sort of pointing you know that that uh, institutional you know unfairness, institutional racism, you know, these, all, all of these things which, you know, obviously people have known about and have been, you know, talking about for, for a long time, but it's sort of been something about this moment that has made people go, oh yeah, no, I really see it now, yeah. you know, rather yeah. than it being a kind of theoretical thing or sort of abstract thing that doesn't really connect. I think, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot has come to the surface that... And, and I think, I think that Without, I don't really want to get into the politics of it all, but um, I, I'm, we look to leadership in these in these difficult times, and I don't just mean governmental. I mean in in sectors of the arts as well. And you know, the 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 status quo. So within a freelance world, why should the buildings be getting all the money? Why should the buildings that are now closed and dormant? be getting that subsidy and funding and I'm very grateful for it you know at the moment of course I am but it, it's 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 making me question um, how how we value and where we place value and 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 who we place the value on and, and should that be really more on people all the time and my answer I think really is yes it should be okay so that's I was going to ask you how you felt that the government and Arts Council, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, how they have dealt with the situation and what your th thoughts were on that. So, the the arts count the arts council are part of a a system. They're administering this bailout money, and maybe this process of people reapplying and having to really look at what what it is that they do. What 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 do they offer their community? 
um, has been very um, key and central to, I think, people getting, getting the funding that they, they get again. And I, I think there is an agenda. There's always an agenda with these things. And I think the Arts Council's the tacit agenda has been to do with digitalization and moving things into a digital age and you know and and i work in an industry which is really the oldest the oldest form of entertainment in the book it's somebody telling a story um and there's nothing digital about that um and that will always exist in some form so i'm sort of not worried about theater long term i really am not um you know the 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 revenue that it brings to the treasury speaks for itself um as is the case with the music industry but it's it's how these organizations are really going to need to speak to the communities that have been damaged by brexit um uh by um by 10 years of austerity and all of this you know you you, you know it from your community and your hopes of what the Anstis would have been and could be and could still be. And it's, it's really, how do we, how is that shared fairly? And then who are the people that then choose how that money is spent? Yes. And those, that's what I mean about leadership. I, mostly I'm sure those people are very good that make those decisions, but we have a responsibility to question those choices, I think. I think that there's there's always a frustration for um, for people working in the arts when it comes to uh, how um, how how the value of it is recognised. But I think that I think that there's always been a squeamishness about talking about um, the value it brings to people's lives um, in other ways, or a kind of blindness to to the ecosystem of it not connecting the fact that maybe a production like warhorse started out as a in a work, workshop with people running around with cardboard boxes on their heads and that had to be funded i think that there's a there's a sort of blindness to that that that, that sort of thinking that the big west end shows uh, live in a different planet to to the the small touring productions or live in a different that, that what and what people maybe consume um, on Netflix, that the, the, the actors that they love seeing, that they cut their teeth, you know, in doing Stratford or, in, in, or, uh, or at the Orange Tree or touring with Odd Socks, you know. There's a lot of uh, a lot of people um, making great work, but at great personal cost by the skin of their teeth. And uh, a huge number of people doing basically uh, uh, self-exploitation. So it's like, yes, I can get my show on, but I'm going to have to work um, all of this time. I will work all of this time unpaid. And, uh, you know, I'll get paid for this little bit of it. But all of this administrative stuff that I'm going to have to do, I'm going to work. Uh, I'm going to work unpaid in order to have the opportunity in order to be able to actually bring this piece of work out and, and there's just vast vast amounts of that in the arts. And the, the problem with that, the inconsistency of that and the values, the different values that artists have in relation to what they will do for what money, I think causes a massive problem because it means that some people 
are doing work because they just want to work and because they're passionate about it, but they're doing it for nothing, which unfortunately enables people to then have that opinion that they can ask people to do it for nothing. Yeah. You know, and so it, it, it's very, and there's no other industry like that, is there? You know, it's, it's no, you wouldn't ask a plumber to put a boiler no. in for nothing, would you? No, I, um, a, a wonderful theatre company that I, I, I've done a, a decade of fantastic work and who I've written music for um, have just folded and they've decided that they, that they can't go on. And I thought it was, I was very, um, I've thought a lot about something they said in their their statement about about why they were closing, and it was that they would they would never n couldn't conceive of exploiting other workers to the extent that they have themselves to, been exploited. They have had to exploit themselves just in order to keep in order to make work. What what has made you the saddest about this current situation? Um. For me, just off the bat, it's it's the graduates at the moment. Mm -hmm. I feel sorry for that generation um, who are, who are coming in um, and who are going to be hit quite hard by opportunities in the first instance. Mm -hmm. Are we talking about what makes us sad, specifically um, to, in terms of the impact on the arts? No, nope. no. I think the thing that made me saddest was the medical workers who didn't have the PPE and who died of COVID. Oh, I yeah. think that, you know, there's, um, you know, some of the nurses who had kids. Sorry, it's really sad. <laughs> um, it just, uh, yeah, it's horrific, horrific. You know, people who were, who were, you know, giving their absolute all and uh, who, who didn't get the protection that they, that they should have done or that, you know, the exposure at the point when you know not enough was known about the about the disease and its transmission i mean that's it's just i think that's just the most heartbreaking thing i feel sad for the uh for people whose parents have died in in care homes uh, that is no that is alone is no way to die which brings me to the question how do you feel the government's fared yeah i don't think they've handled it very well i'm pretty angry about it i yeah, I it, it I'm 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 staggered by um, how poor they've been. Absolutely staggered. Yeah. <laughs> okay. My final question is, what would you like your legacy to be? Oh blimey! A musician once said to me, "A career is something that you look back on." Uh, rather than that you plan for and to be honest most you know I've ended up doing stuff that I might not have expected and so maybe that's what I hope for in the next 30 years is some good things that I didn't expect. Yeah. That's an excellent answer. I want a blue plaque. Jonathan <laughs> Broadbent, light comedian, short light comedian, lived here. Perfect. <laughs> glorious ending. Johnny and Laura, thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank you, Gemma. It's been a pleasure. Really interesting.